Let's turn to Daniel chapter nine. Hallelujah. How many of you, this is the first service that you've made during this series of meetings. Could I see your hands? Praise God. Still got a lot of first time people. Well, let me just emphasize that I've been teaching on the, on the balance, living in the balance of grace and faith. And just this week, the Lord really spoke to me, woke me up in the middle of the night and showed me that this is a message that I've been preaching it for 25 or 30 years, but you know what? It is timely. This is for the body of Christ and just spoke some really special things to me about it. So I've been ministering on this all week long and it's been powerful. And if you've missed any of these services, I encourage you to please uh, get the CDs or the DVDs. We already have the three previous services duplicated and they're available. This morning will be available within five minutes of this program. I mean, this uh, session being over. And so please get these because these are kind of things that you need to go over and over. You aren't going to hear this very often. Also, this is a tremendous way to share these truths with somebody else. You know, you can go back home and somebody says, so how was the conference? And you say, oh, it was really good. And you know what? That's uh, all right, but that's not going to instill the same faith in them. You could just say, here, listen to it. And God could touch their life and change a person's life through this. Plus, I can promise you this. The things that I've been sharing are things that I have ministered on for 20 and 30 years. And I'm just giving you the, uh, you know, the tip of the iceberg, just the cream on the top. And there is so much more. And uh, if you were to take these teachings and meditate on them and listen to them over, you would get more out of it the second time. And so anyway, I encourage you to please get those CDs or DVDs. Also DVDs, this is a great way to uh, do a Bible study. You know, some of you want to share these truths and you don't know how to do it. You can take an hour long CD and, and, uh, or DVD and split it in half and watch half of it as a Bible study and sit around and drink your coffee and your cake or whatever you do and watch it. And then when it's over, ask questions. Do you believe this guy's lost his mind? Is this true? And discuss it. And you would be surprised how the Holy Spirit would take that. And I mean, it is a totally non-threatening way. You don't have to stand up and preach it, people. You don't have to wear a three-piece suit. Just sit down and watch a DVD and discuss it and look up the scriptures. And I tell you, it could change people's lives. So I encourage you to please do that. That would be good. I've been talking about the balance between grace and faith. Basically, the body of Christ is either on one extreme, they're over here in faith or they're over here in grace. And grace people don't like faith people. Faith people don't like grace people. And yet I've used the verse out of James, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, that says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I've been trying to emphasize that it's not grace or faith, it's grace and faith. You have to mix the two together. Grace is God's part, faith is our part. We don't operate in faith to get God to move. That wouldn't be grace. Grace means it's independent of you. It was, it came through Jesus 2000 years ago before you even existed, before you did anything good or bad. And so it has nothing to do with you. If you are doing something thinking, God, have you seen that I've been praying? Have you seen that I go to church that I pay my tithes? I've done this now. Will you do this? That's not faith. That's legalism. That's works. That's a law mentality. And you cannot receive from God with that. Faith only appropriates what God has already provided by grace. And once you understand that God's already done it by grace, then you can rest. It's, it takes the work out of it. You don't have to do something to plead with God to get him to move. God has already moved and made the supply before you ever had the need. Boy, those are radical statements. Radical statements. That took me 20 years to get to where I could say some of those things. Those are radical statements. If you understood what I said right there, I guarantee you this would make a huge difference in your life. The body of Christ as a whole, I don't know what percentage, but I would say the majority, 60 or 70 or more percent of the body of Christ would not agree with those statements I just made. That is contrary to most people. 
And that's the very reason that we aren't seeing things happen. So what I want to do over here in Daniel is use the way that Daniel prayed and received from God to illustrate this principle of grace and faith. And let me just say up front that there are some differences between Daniel and us. He was Old Testament and we're New Testament. And he didn't have the authority over the devil the way that we do. Uh, Satan blocked his prayers from getting up to God. But you know, I mentioned this, I think it was yesterday or last night, I forget. But that's a different situation than we have today. There are people that will take these very passages of scripture and talk about that there's demonic powers over a spiritual area, over a physical area like Atlanta. And we've got to get a hole in the heavens so that our prayers can get through to God. And that is not New Testament because in the New Testament, God's not out there. He lives on the inside of us. And you don't need your prayers to get past all of the demonic stuff. All you got to do is bow your head and say, Father, amen. Right here he is. The Bible says in John chapter seven, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the spirit that they that believed upon him would receive. So your belly is where your spirit is. Some of us look like we got more of the spirit than others, but it's not true. So anyway, God, there are some differences and I'll point this out as we go through, but there's still a lot that we can learn from these instances where Daniel prayed a prayer. So in the ninth chapter of the book of Daniel, it says in verse one, in the first year of Darius, the son of a has, uh, however you pronounce the name of that guy <laughs> of the seed of the Medes, which was made King over the realm of the Chaldees in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel understood by books, the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord, my God, and made my confession and said, and then he begins to record his prayer. So he was praying for revelation because Jeremiah, who was back in the land of Israel, had prophesied that the Israelites would be in captivity for 70 years they were nearing the end, or I think they had just passed the end of these 70 years. And so here was a prophecy in the word that didn't look like it came to pass. And Daniel was praying and saying, God, what does this mean? And he was asking God for revelation. And in this chapter, he gets his answer. And this was one of the key prophecies of the Old Testament. It gave nearly to the day when the Messiah would come. It was a powerful, powerful prophecy. This was a major, major deal. But anyway, in verse four, he begins to start recording his prayer. And I'm not going to take time to read it. But if you read this, while he was praying, the angel Gabriel answered his prayer. Look down here in verse 19. Here's the end of his prayer. He says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O uh, Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. And in verse 20, and while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. So here is Daniel praying a prayer. And while he is still praying, if you read this, I mean, even if you're a slow reader, it only takes about three minutes to read this prayer. So here he is three minutes into a prayer. And while he's praying, the angel Gabriel had the gall to interrupt his prayer and answer his prayer while he was still praying. He hadn't even said amen. (laughs) And God answered his prayer and I mean, gave him this tremendous revelation, explained this major prophecy of the Bible unto him and told him exactly when the Messiah would come and uh, even prophesied about the end of sin. 
which that's a great teaching, but I hadn't got time to go into that. This was major what God told him right here. And the point I want to make is it happened while he was praying. Wouldn't that be great if every time you prayed and asked for something while you were praying, you couldn't even get your prayer out without seeing the physical manifestation of everything you prayed for. But look at this. This will really shock you if you can understand what I'm saying. In verse 23, here's what Gabriel said. At the beginning of that supplications, the commandment came forth, a commandment from God to go and explain to Daniel the things that he was asking about. The commandment came forth and I am come to give thee, to show thee for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. But here's a point I want to make. The Lord said through Gabriel at the beginning of your supplication, God gave a command and it took about three minutes for Gabriel to pack his bags and gather up his stuff and get there. Now, three minutes isn't a long period of time. And some people think, well, who cares what's going on? As long as, you know, I get my prayer answered. If you lay hands on me and before I hit the floor, everything is fine. Well, then, man, that's fine. Who cares what's going on? But this is important. It establishes a principle. See, most people, and the reason I'm ministering on this today is because when I talk about God by grace has already done everything. And then we just respond to it. We don't do stuff to get God to do it. The reason that is such a hard concept for people to get hold of is because most people are carnal. The word carnal, most people think that means terrible, sinful, ungodly, bad. But the word carnal just means of the five senses. If you look the word carnal, it's the word sarx, S-A-R-X up in the Greek. The word sarx means the flesh as stripped of skin. In other words, not just your epidermis, not your outward skin, but the meat. Matter of fact, when you use the word chili con carne, did you know that the word carne means meat, chili with meat? And, and it comes from the exact same word, sarx. And so the word sarx means meat. When you call somebody carnally minded, you're calling them a meathead. <laughs> so the word carnal doesn't necessarily mean sinful or bad or terrible. The word carnal means fleshly, meat. It means you're of the senses. You just can't see anything. You don't know that anything exists other than what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. That is a carnal person. And yet even in the natural realm, did you know we're using a wireless microphone right now? We're transmitting signals wirelessly. You can't see them, but does that mean that they aren't here? No, they're here. There are radio signals. There are television signals in this room. And if a person says there are no television signals in this room, that doesn't mean they aren't here. It just means you aren't very smart. There are television signals in here, but it's out of your realm of perceiving. For you to think that nothing happens unless you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel it, then nothing has happened. That doesn't mean that there isn't a spiritual world and that there isn't things going on beyond your ability to perceive. It just means you aren't very smart. There is a spiritual world and there are things going on. And the reason I say all of this is to say that most people are carnal. They only function by what they can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And if you can't see, taste, hear, smell, and feel it, then you don't believe that it exists. And when I talk about that God has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that's talking about in the spiritual realm. A carnal person just can't receive that because they can't see it. Their bank account says they aren't blessed. Their doctor says they aren't blessed. Their husband or wife says they aren't blessed. Your boss says you aren't blessed. Your flat tire says you aren't blessed. And all of these other things. And most people are just more moved by what they see than they are by what they can't see because most people don't even functionally believe that there is anything beyond what you can see. You know, there's probably many people that came in here today and you looked around and tried to estimate how many people are here and you looked and you have an idea of what's going on in the natural realm. But there's many of you that hadn't even thought that there are angels, that there are demons, that the Holy Spirit is here. Those things are real. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean that they aren't here. 
There are millions and millions of angels in this place because each one of us has thousands of angels surrounding us that follow us around. I know two of my angels' names. Psalms 23 says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So I know goodness and mercy are following me. Amen. Man, there's all kinds of things going on in the spiritual realm that you can't see. And yet a carnal person will just miss this. They'll think nothing's happened. A carnal person, unless somebody shouts, unless somebody jumps a pew, unless somebody falls on the floor and rolls, unless we see somebody get out of a wheelchair, we'll say things like, well, God wasn't within a hundred miles of that place. But that's not true. If nobody else brought him, I brought him. He said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. He's always with us. And so most of us just go by the flesh. And because of this, we can't understand that there's things that God has done in the spiritual realm by grace because we haven't seen it yet. We just, we have this thought that if God was to do something, you'll even hear this. I bet you most people in here, if I hadn't set this up and if I was to make this statement, you would agree with this and it's totally wrong. But people will say all of the time that there is no such thing as time or distance or space with God. Most people believe that. They think if God wants something done instantly, boom, like that, it's done. That God doesn't have any of these limitations. Here is an instance where God commanded Gabriel. Gabriel is one of the most important angels in the Bible. He's the one that announced the birth of John the Baptist to Zacharias. He's the one that announced the birth of Jesus to Mary. He's one of the leading angels. He's bound to be one of the strongest, most important. He's got more clout than others. Amen. There's, he's not an inferior angel. And yet when God spoke to him, it took about three minutes for what God said to come to pass. And some people think, well, that's not a big amount of time, but it establishes a principle that God spoke in the spirit realm. Things were done by grace. It was a done deal. It was in the pipeline. It was in the process. And it took time for what God said to come into physical manifestation. And that just rubs some people's theology the wrong way. You know, I was talking to a pastor one time and this guy said, so what interpretation do you have when you approach scripture? And I said, what do you mean? And he says, are you Arminian or are you Calvinist? Are you this and do you embrace this theology? And I said, I don't have any of those things. I just believe the Bible and this is what makes me believe stuff. I don't look through some prism and try and interpret scripture. But see, there's a lot of people that have doctrines that are outside of the Bible. For instance, God is omniscient, omnipresent. And uh, I don't even know what all of those things mean. But they come up with these things and then they, they get this mindset and then they go to the Bible and try and interpret everything they read by these things. You know, I'm not encumbered by those things. I don't have those chains on me. If the Bible says something, I just believe it. Amen. And the Bible right here says, God spoke to Gabriel at the beginning of the prayer. And it took around three minutes for Gabriel to pack his toothbrush and get there. I don't know what was going on, but it establishes the principle that God spoke. And there was a period of time before what God had done came to pass. And if you don't understand this, then you're going to pray for healing and immediately open up your eyes. And if your eyes aren't completely healed, if you don't see everything perfectly, then you're going to think, well, God didn't move and you'll get into unbelief and your unbelief will stop what God has commanded from coming into physical manifestation. Most people just think that if I pray, then instantly it ought to be here. And if I don't feel it, if I don't see it, then God didn't do anything. That's not true. God has already moved it. There, there is such a thing as time and distance in the spirit realm, I guess. I don't know exactly how this worked, but God spoke, gave a command and it took a while before what he commanded to come to pass. Jesus spoke to the fig tree in Mark chapter 11 and cursed it and said, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. 
And it says in Matthew's account of that, it says immediately or anon the fig tree died. That means immediately the fig tree died. But it was the next morning before the disciples noticed that it was withered and dried up. And the key is, it says in Mark chapter 11, I believe it's around verse 21 or 22. It says they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So which is it? The Bible says it was the next day in Mark, in Matthew, it says it happened immediately. Which is it? It's both. It happened immediately, but the tree died at the roots. That's below the surface where you couldn't see it with your carnal observation. It died instantly, but it took about 24 hours for what had happened below the surface to come into manifestation above the surface. Was the fig tree still alive? When Jesus, after Jesus had spoke to it, no, it was dead, but it looked alive. You couldn't tell any difference. There wasn't any difference to your carnal senses, but it was dead the moment Jesus spoke. And it took a while for what Jesus spoke to come into manifestation. People don't understand this. And so they pray for something. And if they don't see it immediately, then they think, well, God didn't move. And immediately they're dealing with doubt. If you could understand what I'm saying right here, this would liberate you. To say, well, I've prayed and I received my healing and I can still see the tumor. I can still feel the pain, but I can't see and feel what's going on in the spirit realm. But in the spirit realm, it's done. God's done it. It's in the pipeline. My answer is on the way. God has already done it. By grace, it's done. And I am not letting go of my faith until I see the physical manifestation of what God has already done. There's not very many people that can do that because most people, again, are carnal and they don't even acknowledge that anything's going on in the spirit. They think that there is no limitations. There's no resistance. Things coming from the spirit into the physical and they just assume if God had done it, it would already be complete. That is not so. Now in the 10th chapter, look at this. Here's the same man praying. I love to use Daniel as an example. You can find this same example in other places like that fig tree I was talking about. But I like to use Daniel as an example because, you know, if I give a testimony about how God has answered my prayers and how I saw something miraculous happen, people just have a disconnect and they think, well, you're special. You're a preacher. God answers your prayers differently than mine and and you just discount it. Here's the same guy praying. If anything, he should have had better results in the 10th chapter than he had in the 9th chapter because he had had this miraculous encounter where God answered his prayer. His face should have been built up. Plus in the 10th chapter, it says he was mourning and he fasted and didn't anoint himself for three whole weeks. In Daniel chapter 9, it took three minutes while he was still praying. In Daniel chapter 10, it was three complete weeks that he was asking God for revelation. And so he gives this in Daniel chapter 10 in verse two, he says, in those days, I, Daniel was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled and drop on down into the, uh, 10th verse. He, the presence of the Lord came, he fell on his face before the Lord. And in verse 10, it says, and behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright for unto them I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, fear not Daniel from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard and I am come for thy words. So here is another messenger speaking unto him. And this time it took three weeks. The first time it took three minutes. The second time it took three weeks. Why do you think God answered one prayer in three minutes and the other prayer in three weeks? Have you ever had this question? Have you ever had God answer a prayer quickly and you just, I mean, it was nearly while you were praying. And then the next time, man, you fast, you pray, you get other people to agree, you put more effort into it and you, and it seems like it takes forever. And you wonder, God, why did you answer that one prayer so quickly? And this one is taking so long. Anybody ever ask that question? Do you know what? That's a wrong question. If you embraced what I said about why did he answer the first prayer in three minutes and the second prayer in three weeks? 
you've already made an error. God didn't answer one prayer in three minutes and the other prayer in three weeks. It says in Daniel chapter nine, at the beginning of your supplication, God answered the prayer instantly. It took three minutes for what God had already done to manifest. And in Daniel chapter 10, it says, um, where was that? Verse 11 that I read it. He said unto me, Daniel, verse 12, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand. So this messenger said from the first day. And since God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he doesn't change, I just believe it was from the first day, the first part of his prayer that God answered. Did you know God answered both prayers instantly? God never answers my prayers instantly and your prayers take two weeks, three weeks, three years. God never answers prayers like that. God answers everybody's prayer instantly. And this side of the cross, God has already done these things. He's already supplied it. It's already done. God's answer is instantaneous. If you pray for healing, you're instantly healed. It's released in the spirit realm. But Just because something is in the spirit, it doesn't automatically happen in the physical. There are things going on in the spiritual realm that you can't see. And there are things that can happen that can delay and hinder your prayer. It's not God that does it. It's either the devil or you that does it. Look at the rest of what he said in verse 13. He says, but... The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 20 days. In other words, he was given the command three weeks before. He instantly was on his way, but there was a demonic opposition. This prince of the kingdom of Persia is talking about the demonic power that was over the kingdom of Persia. There are demonic powers over areas and over things. And this demonic power fought against him for 21 days is what he says. And it says, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me. Michael is called the archangel other places in scripture. And so Michael is the archangel or the number one angel, the head angel over everybody else. And Michael came and helped him fight against the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And they finally broke through. And then his answer came. But here's what I want you to see is that God answered both prayers instantly. He didn't answer one prayer in three minutes and one prayer in three weeks. He's never answered your prayer slower than he's answered my prayer or anybody else's prayer. God has answered every single prayer you've ever prayed according to the word of God instantly. God had already done it. In the New Testament, God has already supplied the need before you ever had the, I mean, he's already made the supply before you ever had the need. It's already a done deal. By his stripes, you were healed. You were already forgiven. All you had to do was reach out and appropriate it. God's part is already done. But just because something is a truth in the spirit realm does not mean it's going to automatically change the physical realm. And I don't have the words to express this probably as well as I should, but here's a picture to help you that faith is like a bridge between the spiritual world and the physical world. The physical world does not automatically reflect what's going on in the spiritual realm. But faith is a bridge that reaches over into the spiritual world and takes the things that God has already provided by grace and brings them into physical reality. And if you don't know how to operate in faith and trust and believe, then God could have answered every prayer that you've ever prayed. He could gave the command. It's in the pipeline, but you open your eyes. You don't see what you've prayed for. And immediately you say, well, I wonder why God didn't answer my prayer. And you just close that bridge. You destroyed the bridge. There is nothing for uh, that grace to flow through to get into the physical realm. It Faith is like our pipeline of how we let the things that God has already accomplished in the unseen world come into the seen world. And if you aren't aware of what I'm talking about and you pray and then you don't see it, you immediately start speaking doubt, acting doubt, 
And by doing so, you stop what God has done. You know, the scripture here doesn't say what would have happened if Daniel would have quit on the 20th day instead of staying with it till the 21st day. But it shows that from the beginning, from the day one, that the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood this messenger for 21 days. So the battle was raging in the unseen realm. There was a spiritual battle going on. It's not that God just sent the answer on the 21st day. He sent the answer on the, on the very first day. And for 21 days, they'd been fighting. And it appears to me that if Daniel would have quit on the 20th day and say, well, I quit. Man, three minutes the first time. Tomorrow's going to be three weeks. I just quit. What's the point? I'm, I'm going to go watch television. I'm through with this. And if he had quit, I believe that they could have been right on the verge of winning the battle and the prayer coming through. And if he would have quit operating in faith, it says in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God flows through the power that works in us. And if you get discouraged and quit and get into unbelief, you turn off the supply. You block the pipe. And if he would have quit, he could have been just moments away from seeing his victory come and he could have quit. And from the human perspective, only looking in the physical realm, it would have looked like God never moved. God never did a thing. And yet lots was going on in the spiritual realm. There are some of you who prayed for a person to be healed and that person died. And because you didn't see the results, you think God didn't answer my prayer. I'm here to tell you that's not true. If you asked, you did receive. If you sought, you found it. If you knocked, it was open unto you. God was in the process of answering your prayer, but there's a lot of things involved. For one thing, when, the other, when, when you're praying for another person, what that person believes is important. And Satan can hinder your prayer through them. And most people don't take this into account. And they think, I'm believing with all of my heart. What that other person believes about them is more important than what you believe about them. And you cannot just force a person to receive on your faith. And so God's power, it's sent through your prayer. But then the unbelief, the doubt, the fear, the depression, the negativism, the words of the doctor, and who knows whatever else can hinder your prayer. And if you don't understand this, and if you just think, well, if God answered my prayer, then why don't I see it? And you immediately get in unbelief. You quit believing and it's all over. Jesus had to put people that mocked him out when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He put all of the scoffers out because you know what? Their unbelief would have hindered it. In the eighth chapter of the book of Mark, he took a man who was blind and led him by the hand out of town. Jesus was busy. He didn't have time to go for an hour's walk with somebody. He didn't do that just to be weird or because he wanted to go out into the country. He did it to get that man away from the unbelief that was in the town. And then he prayed for him and he knew that this man was still struggling with all of the negative things that were done. And so he says, what do you see? And he said, I see men as trees walking. And Jesus had to minister to him a second time. Not because he doubted that his father was faithful and had answered it didn't have anything to do with what God had done by grace. He just realized that the unbelief of other people will affect you. And so he gave this guy a second dose of the Holy Ghost and got him completely healed. And then he told him, don't go back into the town. Don't tell it to anybody in the town. The guy lived in the town. He had family in the town. He told him to forsake his house. He told him to forsake people. Why would he do something like that? Because he got that man out of the town, but he hadn't gotten all that town out of the man. And he didn't want that man going back into that. So see, even Jesus who operated in a hundred percent faith could not ignore the unbelief of other people. In Mark chapter six, verse five, it says he did there. He did no mighty work there, save that he laid his hand upon a few sick folk and healed them. That was talking about in Nazareth, his hometown. And the people took offense because they had seen him as a little boy. They knew him as the carpenter's son. They couldn't believe that this was really the Christ. And their unbelief stopped him from doing what he wanted to do. It says he could do, not that he wouldn't do, he could do. No mighty work, 
because of their unbelief. That's putting this together with Matthew 13, 58, which says it was their unbelief that stopped it. And so Jesus, even though he operated in God perfectly and there was no hindrance in him, the hindrance of other people affect you. I had a couple come up this morning and I was talking to them and they, they were talking about uh, trying to minister to their family and uh, they realized this principle about unbelief. And they were saying, what do we do? What are the steps we take? Says we're in the Bible, we're studying the word and we do those things. Are there other things we can do to limit the unbelief in our heart? And I said, one of the most important things is the associations that you keep. Many of you go to unbelieving churches. Many of you go to churches that they, they would they'd brand me a heretic. I had one woman come up and said she got up and walked out because a pastor got up and got to rebuking me and Joseph Prince and saying that this was all of the devil. And she got up and walked out. There's some of you that go to churches that if I was in your church, they'd brand me a heretic. There's some of you that are in churches that they teach that the baptism of the Holy Spirit's of the devil, speaking in tongues is of the devil. There's some of you that go to churches that talk about the greasy grace and the blab it, grab it people and the prosperity people. They're against people that preach prosperity. And so by definition, they preach uh, poverty. (laughs) And you're in all of those things and, and you just think that that doesn't have a thing to do. You're there to change them. I can tell you this. I've pastored churches. I've pastored three churches and it takes a miracle for the pastor to change the church. You as a member of that church are not going to change that church. All you're going to do is sow discord and doubt and unbelief. You could change individuals. There may be some individuals who will listen to you, but really it's not, it's kind of counterproductive. So anyway, it's important who you associate with. You need to be in a good life-giving church. You need to be around people that build you up. And if you don't do that, did you know that the doubt of other people will affect what God is bringing from the spiritual realm into the physical realm? All of those words of doubt and unbelief, they're curses and they will affect you. And there's some of you just can't understand why things aren't working. And yet you live in unbelief. You're baptized in unbelief and don't even realize it. So there's a lot of things involved. You know, there was a friend of mine, Bob Fleischer, who lived up in Woodland Park where we're moving our ministry. And this man had been trying to sell a house for two years. He heard me preach on this exact thing. And for two years, he had been getting up every day and praying over his house and asking God to sell that house. And he had only had two or three people look at it in two years. He was selling it by the owner so that he wouldn't have to go through a real estate guy and give a commission. And for two years, he had got up every morning and asked God to sell that house. And nothing had happened. And when I spoke on this, The Lord spoke to him and gave him revelation and he realized what had happened. He had been doubting that God had spoken to anybody because he hadn't seen anything. But all of a sudden he realized that God was faithful. God answered his prayer the very first day he prayed. So he got up the next morning and he repented of asking God, uh, what would that be? 700 and something times (laughs) to sell his house. And he said, I'm sorry. I believe that you answered my prayer the very first day that I prayed and you have spoken to somebody and I don't know where the hindrance is, but it's not with you. It must be with this other person. Maybe their finances are having problems. And so he started praying in tongues because he didn't know how to pray. So he let the Holy Spirit pray through him and pray in a way that wasn't limited by just his finite mind. And he started praying in tongues in two days. He was at a uh, business, a closing company and closing on his house in two days after praying that way. And as he sat at the closing, the man across the table said, do you remember two years ago when you put the for sale by owner sign in the yard? He said, I drove by your house that day. And I told my wife, that's my house. He says, I'm going to have that house. 
God spoke to him the first day that he put the sign in the yard. And he says, you wouldn't believe the problems that I've had. I had people that were going to buy my house. I've had two or three people. Their thing fell through. My financing fell through. He says, it has been, and this guy wasn't a Christian. He says, it's just been supernatural the way that I've been hindered. And he says, but two days ago, everything changed. A person came to me and had cash and I went and closed. And he says, I cashed their check and here we are. And he says, it's just amazing how things work. Isn't that awesome? We would get the same results if we would recognize that, you know what? God answers immediately. It's already done in the spirit, but there's things that have to happen. Other people's doubt and unbelief. If you're praying over something finances, God's not going to rain money out of heaven. God's not going to counterfeit United States currency and put it in your wallet. He is not going to put money in your bank account. God doesn't create money. It's against the law. The Bible says in Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. God is going to use people. And so if you need money, it's going to come through people. And anytime you have people involved in your supply, there is a potential for a delay. And so if you need more money, don't doubt that God has answered your prayer because I prayed and I didn't see anything. No, God has answered, but somebody is involved in this pipeline. And what you need to do is get to interceding and praying and saying, Father, is there anything I need to do to unclog the pipe? Is there anything I can do? Is there anyone I can intercede for? I remember another testimony where a man came to me and he was so mad and upset that he had been with this business for like 10 years. He was the very first employee that they ever had. And uh, he was a Christian. The owner was not a Christian and the owner uh, didn't like him for his Christian stance. And even though he had been the longest employee in the business, there had been other people hired and made his boss and put over him. And he was still making exactly what he made 10 years before. And he thought it was all unfair and he was griping at me. And anyway, it's a long story, but I I ministered to him and basically said, you know what? Your attitude stinks. And I said, uh, your employer, he may not hear what you say, but he can tell. People can tell when you have a bad attitude. And I said, you need to change. You need to repent. You need to go to praying for that man. Your prosperity is dependent upon that boss. And anyway, God touched him. He recognized he was wrong. He repented. And he started praying for that boss and praying that God would prosper his business. And he asked forgiveness for the bitterness and the criticism and the words that he had spoken. And it had only been, I think, two days after he started doing that, that he came back to me the next week or so. And he says, did you know, two days after I repented and started praying for my boss, his boss walked in and said something really sarcastic to him and really bad And instead of him responding negatively, he said something, I forgot what it was, but it was, it was something positive. And he just blessed his boss and spoke something nice to him. And his boss stormed off. And then he came back in about 10 or 15 minutes and he says, what's going on with you? (laughs) He could tell a difference. He says, what are you doing? And the guy says, you know what? I've repented. I have had a bad attitude about you. And I felt like you've slighted me. These other people have been hired and promoted. And he says, I was bitter and I've criticized you. And he says, I was wrong. And he says, I want to ask your forgiveness. Would you forgive me for the way that I've treated you? And his boss, well, yeah, I forgive you. And he just walked off. He didn't know how to handle it. But guess what? Within a week, he was promoted. He became foreman over the whole thing. And his salary was doubled. There were things happening in the spiritual realm through this strife. The Bible says, James 3, 16, where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. When you get mad at somebody and have unforgiveness towards them, you allow the devil to just plug that pipe solid. If you have unforgiveness and strife, you stop the flow of the power of God. But God answered 
God has already commanded. The answer was in the pipeline, but you can stop it up. Other people can stop it up. Sometimes you don't, it has nothing to do with you. It may have nothing. You know, in our ministry, uh, it's not me that makes our, our finances go up and down, but God uses people. And uh, in the past, now I've been speaking differently. And so I'm believing for a different results. Amen. I'm not just doomed to this. But in the natural, every time that 9-11 happens, a tsunami happens, a crisis happens. Did you know people who have watched my program, they get, uh, want it, they want to know about what's going on in the natural realm. And so they quit watching my program and they go to watching news to find out what's happening. And every time there has been a major national disaster, our income goes down because people quit watching my program out of sight, out of mind. And our giving goes down every time there's a natural disaster just because of natural reasons. God uses people. It's not that I've sinned. It's not that God turned off the pipe, but he speaks to people. People aren't watching the program and people don't respond. Now, am I just destined to ride that wave? No, I can sit here and through my confession, I can speak and I can counter that and we can do things and we're doing better. But I'm just saying that, see, there's natural things that affect my finances and to think, well, God, I prayed and asked for this money. How come I don't have the money to do everything? God uses people. And if people aren't responsive to God, then uh, you know what? I don't sell my materials. I don't force people to give. I'm dependent upon people giving. And so uh, we can, we can have our income go up and down. Now, does that mean that we're just doomed No, there's ways around it. I can pray and believe God. And lots of times when something like that happens, what I'll do is send out a free CD or a free book or a free something to every person. Amen. I'll sow a seed and I'll bypass whatever they're doing and I'll get to them another way. Amen. And I'll get, and I'll put my name in front of them and God will say, oh yeah, you're supposed to be giving to Andrew and they'll, they'll do it. Amen. (laughs) But I'm saying I have to deal with that. I have to recognize it. You need to do the exact same thing in your business. If, if you're in a business that things are struggling, there's a way around it. God will show you. But don't doubt that God has given. God has already supplied it by grace. Now you in faith need to say, Father, is it me that's plugging up the supply that is keeping it from coming because I've got strife, because I've got unbelief, because I'm hurting so much I can't see past my pain? because I've listened to this, because I'm in a dead, unbelieving church that counters everything I'm standing for and believing for. Do I need to do something? Do I need to change? Or it may not be you. It might be other people. Father, is it other people that's entering my prosperity? How do I overcome this? But don't doubt that God has already done it. God by grace has already moved. And whether you see it or not is not an indication of whether God is faithful. It's an indication of whether the devil is fighting you or whether you are giving place to something and stopping it. But it's not an indication of whether God answered your prayer. On the authority of the word of God, if you ask, you receive. You seek, you find, you knock, it's opened unto you. Everyone that asks receives is what the word says. Everyone that seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, it's opened unto him. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. That's what the word says. And so you just have to trust in that. And even when you don't see it, you don't doubt it. You believe that you received when you pray and you know that it's in the pipeline. It's coming. You know, one other thing I'd like to say about this is that, see, if Daniel would have known these things, he didn't know what was going on behind the scenes in the unseen realm. But even if Daniel would have known, there's nothing he could have done about it. He was an Old Testament man and he didn't have authority over the devil. And if he would have known that there was a demonic power that was blocking his prayer, he couldn't have done anything about it. The only thing he could do was just hold on to his faith and not waver And after a while, you know, it says when Jesus was tempted that Satan ended all of the temptation. In other words, the devil threw everything he had at Jesus 
First John chapter two says that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life are not of God. It summarizes all of the things that Satan does in three areas, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Jesus was tempted in three areas that corresponded to that. And Satan threw everything he had at Jesus. Jesus stood and Jesus won by default. The devil just didn't have anything else left to throw at him. And so he had to leave. And this is how most Christians get their prayers answered. They don't know their authority in the Lord. They don't understand that God's already commanded. They don't know what's going on, but they just hang on and father, I'm trusting you. And after the devil has drug you through the mire and beat you up and you're bloody and you're black and blue, you just are still standing and saying, I don't know what's happening, but I believe Jesus is answering my prayer and the devil's thrown everything at you he's got. And he just says, well, I quit and you win by default. That's the way that most Christians get their prayers answered, but there's a better way. The better way is if you understand your authority, we have authority that, that Daniel didn't. And if you could take these scriptures, then when you don't see something manifest, you can say, God, I know you're faithful. You answered my prayer. And to the best of my ability, I've listened to the Holy Spirit and it's not me that's the problem. I'm not in unbelief. I'm not in strife. I'm not clogging this pipe up. And so it has to be something else. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I take authority and I command you to get off of this thing and you bind the devil and you don't have to wait 21 days until he just has thrown everything he's got at you. You can bind it and you can shorten the period of time in between when you say amen and there it is. To a very large degree, it's up to you how quickly you see the healing power of God manifest. And you know, this is one of the things that we teach these prayer ministers. And when they come up here and pray, they know that it's God's will to heal every person. They know that God's not the one who doesn't manifest the healing. And if they pray and don't see something come to pass, they will start taking their authority and praying and commanding it to see it right then. We don't always see everything manifest immediately because again, there's, I haven't learned it all. But you know what? We, we see lots of things manifest that in the past we would have just prayed and let it go and it might or might not have happened. But now we see lots of things happen and with many people we plant the seed and it may be the next day or the next week before they see the full manifestation, but it's in process just like that fig tree. It's cursed at the roots and it's just a matter of time until their body recovers. But boy, this is a powerful truth I'm telling you about. And see, there's a balance here. It's not just whatever will be. God by grace has answered every person's prayer. It's done. God's released his power. But whether it comes into the physical or not is not an indication of whether God answered your prayer. It's an indication of whether you have believed and whether you have taken your authority and dealt with the hindrances that are stopping it. And there's some things that you're just involving other people and it takes a period of time for those people to come around. Man, that's powerful. This is one of the most profound things that the Lord's ever shown me and it has served me well and it has kept me from getting into unbelief when I pray and don't see something happen. I know that God's faithful. I know that just like Daniel, it's in the works from the first day God answered my prayer. And let me also say this, that there's some of you that maybe have lost somebody that you prayed for and they died and you have been if you're here, you're probably still serving the Lord, but you know what? You've lost your confidence and you feel like God let you down and you aren't the person that you used to be. And it's because you didn't understand that God answered your prayer. It was God's will. God released that power and you probably saw some results of it. You saw some effect. The person got better, but you didn't see the full complete manifestation for who knows. There could be a hundred reasons It could have been you that wavered. It could have been the person you prayed for that wavered. It could have been the circumstances. You could add so much doubt and unbelief. Doctors coming in saying they're going to die. They will not live. And you weren't strong enough to stand and counter it. It could have been family members that you didn't want to offend. And they came in and talked about the funeral when they die, what's going to happen. And you wouldn't stand. And there could be a lot of reasons. And I'm not here to blame anybody, but I am saying that if you would receive what I'm saying today, this could soothe over those hurts and you could come back to a place to where God, 
you didn't fail me. If anything, I failed you or something else failed, but you were faithful and you could return back to that place where you trust God with all of your heart. He did not fail you. God did not fail to answer your prayers. God has answered every prayer that was based on the word of God, but that doesn't mean that you're going to see a manifestation of it because there's other things involved. Amen. Amen. Let me ask this. If you are a person who you've lost your confidence and you have had an offense. Now I'm not saying that you just had a prayer that didn't look like it was answered, but if it affected you in the way that it caused an offense and you've really lost your confidence and there's a hurt that has hindered your relationship with God. And today you understand that God didn't fail you, that God's faithful. And it was you that was wrong. You need to, you need to repent of that and say, father, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for blaming you. It wasn't your fault. You need to repent of that. And I just want to ask if that's you, I want you to be bold right where you are and just say, that's me. And I'd like you to stand and I'm going to pray for you. And I believe God is going to heal your heart and restore you back to a place to where you don't have any um, fear in believing God for something else. There's lots of people that take an offense and God gave you no reason to take offense. It was just our lack of understanding. It's our carnality. We were looking in the physical and because we didn't see it, we didn't think God moved. Anybody else? I'm going to pray specifically that this won't work for any person who's seated. If you're going to receive this prayer, you got to stand to get this. There must be 50 people standing up right now. Y'all are going to bootleg this prayer. Man, this is, there's no shame associated with this. It's just a lack of understanding. Now you've heard the truth. You need to respond to it. And you need to say, praise God, I'm getting rid of this offense. I'm repenting of this. This will change your life. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Your last opportunity before I pray. Anyone else? Still got people standing up. I know some of you are thinking about this. This is a big decision. Some of you have held on to these hurts and offense for decades. But you know, there's an anointing of God here right now that you need to respond. And and you can't just do this whenever you want. The Holy Spirit is ministering to you in a way that if you feel that you've taken an offense, this has hurt your faith because you didn't understand something, you need to just respond right now and let God minister to you. Anyone else? Father, I pray for every person standing right here. I just thank you for these truths. Thank you for the way that this has touched my life and the way you've set me free. And I pray that the Holy Spirit takes these truths and touches every single person right here. Father, we stand and we repent of taking an offense, of imputing to you that you weren't faithful, that you didn't answer our prayers. And Father, now we see that it wasn't you who failed. It was either us or just the devil or people or something else. But Father, we believe that you are faithful. And right now we repent of ever taking an offense, ever imputing unto you unfaithfulness. Father, we turn from that and we receive our forgiveness. And not only forgiveness, but Father, we receive restoration back to the place to where we just can trust you with an abandon, knowing that you're faithful, that you never fail. You never fail. And Father, whatever the problem was, it wasn't you. We return back to the author and the finisher of our faith. We return back to our first love. And I believe that, Father, you're healing hearts of all of these things in here right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, we receive it. Amen. And I believe that's going to change some people's lives. Awesome, awesome. You can be seated. 
You know, once again, we are going to have this meeting with the pastors back here in this right-hand corner. We're going to have a meeting with all of you who are interested in the Bible school. But if there's anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus personally, I don't want to let you go without giving you an opportunity to be born again. I've shared some things today that could have changed the way you see and understand things. And you could actually understand and receive your salvation today. And if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you're already born again, but if you don't speak in tongues, I'm telling you, this is where you get the power to start praying. If When you don't know how to pray for a situation, you need this ability to pray in tongues and let the Holy Spirit pray through you in a way that goes beyond just your peanut brain. And you pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can pray for things that you can't see and can't understand. You absolutely need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this gift of speaking in tongues to be able to see these things that I was talking about today come to pass. Is there anyone here today who either needs to make Jesus your Lord and be born again and or you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this gift of speaking in tongues? If that's you, I'd like you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you and help you to receive. Here's somebody over here. Here's another person, two more. Anybody else? Anybody else? Here's some over here. Praise God. Number of people. Man, this is awesome. We've already had, I don't know, but well over a hundred people come forward and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand and didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward? And we want to pray with you right here and help you to receive this morning. Just come forward right now and let us pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Praise the Lord, brother. This man, his daughter turned him on to my teaching and she brought him here. Isn't that great to have a daughter who's seeking the Lord? That's great. Thank you, Jesus. Man, would to God, all of our kids would be encouraging us to seek the Lord and get to know the Lord better. Man, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Praise God. That's awesome. You know what? I believe God's going to change your lives today. This is going to change your life. God's been after some of you for a very long time. You know what? I believe that today you're going to see a big, big difference in your life. You know, we've got these meetings going on and it takes me some, some length of time to minister to people. So if you wouldn't mind, here's what I'd like to ask you to do today. We've got Robert right here and we've got a bunch of people in our prayer room ministers. And if you would, I'd like you to go with them and they're going to pray with you. And then I've got a book that I want to give every single one of you that will explain exactly what salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. And this way you'll actually get individual instruction. You'll have people sit there and talk to you and help every one of you. And we've seen thousands and thousands of people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. So uh, just to facilitate things and speed them up, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to ask you to follow Robert and he'll take you right around the corner to a room right there and he'll minister to you. And today I believe you're receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. God bless you, brother. I believe you're receiving. Praise the Lord. If you don't mind, just go over here. It'll only take a minute, and I believe you're receiving. Are you Gene Carnahan's son? I thought you might have been. Good to see you, brother. God bless you. I believe you are receiving. I believe you're healed, too, in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Just follow that group. They'll minister to you. Praise the Lord. Amen. So the rest of you remember that we've got these two meetings, one over in the right-hand corner, the pastors, and then we've got the Bible college meeting is down the escalators. The rest of you, I'd like to ask our prayer ministers, if they would, to come up here. And we're going to have prayer ministers here that would like to minister to you. 
And maybe some of you now have an understanding that you didn't have earlier. Maybe now you know that when you pray, God's answered. And now you just need somebody to agree with you and say, would you please get my pipe unclogged? Would you please help me and operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And if I'm doing something wrong, help me to change. If it's other people, intercede and just agree. These people understand what we're talking about. They've already been through this. And if you need prayer for anything, I'd like to encourage you to come right now and let someone agree with you and pray. And we're going to see miracles come to pass. Amen. So if you want prayer, just come forward right now. We've got people standing at the aisles and they're going to direct you towards people. The rest of you remember that tonight our meeting starts at 6 p.m. I do this so that our people can pack up and get out of here before two or three in the morning. So remember, we start at 6 p.m. You won't want to miss the praise and worship. Man, it's awesome. We're going to have a great time. So anyway, we'll be back at 6. Remember that we have DVDs and CDs already duplicated of the four services. You can pick those up and come back tonight at 6 p.m. God bless you. You are dismissed.